Are you washed in the blood? Hallelujah. And if you're not sure about that answer, I'm going to ask it for you today. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I marvel at how God sets things up sometimes. Today, I'm going to talk to you about things that seem crazy, but they're true. And uh, don't let the ha-ha fool you. As they say, sometimes I, I know I have a sense of humor and can present things in a funny way. And, uh, but don't let the message be lost on what might be the humor of it. And so that, that song, for example, Are You Washed in the Blood? That's kind of a grotesque thought. Ugh. You know, when you think about being washed in the blood. And, uh, but God has these crazy, or should I say seemingly crazy ideas and ways of putting things. And, and you know, since the beginning, you know, man has been scratching their head trying to figure out what God is talking about. And as we read this word, sometimes we come across things and go, why would he ask us to do that? Well, why would he do that? Anybody ever had those questions that you read like, what, huh? You know, just, you've just been puzzled. You say, God, that's crazy. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. And maybe you, maybe you use a more dignified word. Maybe you say, God, I'm puzzled about this concept. You know, maybe it's just the hood in me that says, God, that's crazy, right? You know, maybe, maybe it's just me. But maybe you, you know, you use some other more intellectual term or whatever. But all of us, I think, if some, if you've been a student of the word, and you've read through his word, you have, got, you have come across some things that make you just scratch your head and go, what is he doing? You think back to some of the crazy things he asked the prophets to do. You know, poor Hosea had to marry a prostitute. Really? God, that's crazy. You know, when you think about that, you know, and, and somebody had to lay on their side and do this and this. There's all these things that he does, even that he did himself that absolutely puzzle us. So I'm going to talk about some of those things this morning, and we're going to just acknowledge them, that God is outside the box. Anybody know that? He, he's just outside the box. And the minute we try to fit him into our neat little cube, it's when we get things messed up. So we'll talk about that. But before I do, uh, I second the Arash's welcome to our guests uh, this morning, first time and otherwise. And my mama's here this morning. There she is over there looking. looking. I don't have to marvel or wonder how I'm going to look when I get older. It's a wrap, right? I know exactly how I'm going to look when I, when I get a little older. <laughs> and my family, you know, they, they, they tease me. They look just like mom. It's, it's the truth. Definitely. I should have wore my, my little doohickey today. And we, we, we'd have been 20s, mom. We'd have been 20s this morning, right? <laughs> but anyway, I thank you guys for showing her all the love. And she remembers so many of your faces from times past, and, and uh, uh, Charity, make sure you tell Monica that my mom was here today. My mom always asks about Monica. Not funny, you make sure you tell her. And uh, so anyway, I'm going to get back to what we're going to talk about this morning. So yeah, we're going to talk about some of the crazy things that God did. You can get my title slide. You can put that up there, uh, Tina, while I'm talking. Uh, that's why I said, don't, don't let the humor fool you, right? <laughs> We have, we have creative visual team here, right? Um, let, them, let them do their thing. You know, these things may seem crazy, but they're true. I know some folks look at the scripture 
as just, you know, this great piece of literature. You know, they look at it as, you know, suggestions, perhaps. You know, oh, the God didn't require all that. And God, you know, or whatever you look at, they, they, you can take it or leave it. You take the parts you want and you leave the others. And, and, you know, some don't believe at all, you know, that the scriptures are true. But I think I'm in the midst of those in here who the vast majority of us anyway believe is true. And maybe some of you are here today trying to, you know, trying to decide, do I believe what the word says or not? And so I'm going to look at it. It's just, I'm, I, I pick, you guys know I'm odd. I shouldn't have to say that every time I, I have these random, seemingly random examples to, to bring the point home. But I'm just going to kind of pot shot some of these things that God um, did that to us seem crazy but they're true. And hang on, because I have a point at the end of it. So I'm going to start in the art place. I'm going to go to 2 Samuel 6. And if you are familiar with this story, you know, David desired to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so he devises this whole plan with him and his people to bring the, the Ark back. And so they're, they have the Ark all rigged up and they have the men that, that David has appointed to bring it back. And in verse 6 it says, but then they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon. The oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. So here they are, and they got this pole going, and, and, and the ox stumbled, and Uzzah reached out. Ooh. Isn't that a natural response to something that's falling? We all do that. Ooh, ooh. You know, we all want to, this is a precious thing, for example, right? This is where the, the presence of God dwelled. And so he just reached out very earnest, oh, to steady this ark. My, that was a bad mistake, Uzzah. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. Can you imagine how horrifying that was? And think about the other four, six, or however many it was who were holding that ark. Like, ooh, you don't want to touch it. So this earnest, seemingly earnest attempt to keep the ark from falling cost Uzzah his life. And that shook David. You know, the word said that David was angry with God. Maybe God was saying, God, maybe David was saying, God, that's crazy. Why would you do that? You know, Uzzah was trying to do a good thing. Why would you take him out? But God is holy. And God had given very specific instructions about who was supposed to carry that ark and how that ark was supposed to be carried. And David didn't go about it the right way. And it cost the man his life. And so this holy God, my takeaway from this example, this holy God that we serve was supposed to be handled in the right way. And notice, he just touched the ark. Obviously not God himself, but it cost them. There are other examples in the Old Testament. You know, when God had planned to come down from, you know, come down and speak to the people from the mountain. And he told Moses, you know what? Make a barrier around that altar. I'm so holy. When I come down that mountain, if anybody touches it, they're out. Okay? So there, there's, there's lots of other examples where you had, the, you know, the priest. Only the priest could go behind the Holy of Holies at a certain time. And they had to be washing and preparation even for that. And so the idea that you could touch or even touch what this holy God was on or need would cost you your life. So hang on to that. So let's fast forward. To look, let's look at this other thing that this crazy God of ours did. Let's fast forward to the New Testament when God presents some really blow-your-mind concepts to the people. Matthew 1.23, and says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Okay, hold up. We got a couple of crazy concepts right there. A virgin conceiving? When did that ever happen? You know, I'm, I'm talking about this, this God that we serve that's outside of our box. 
that does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. And so he, yeah, he didn't pick, you know, just some holy woman who maybe had some kids already and was married and sanctified and all these things. No, he picked a virgin who was going to conceive this child. And then he says, this child is going to be God with us. Wow. This God who, you know, we just read about whose presence was in the Ark of the Covenant that cost Uzzah his life. This, this, this God is going to come through a human being and into our world. You know, talk about making a way out of no way. Let's talk about love for a second, right? Let's talk about God determined, purposed to make a way for his people. That you could even say maybe he lowered himself, right? Nobody's just touching this God that we serve. Nobody can even touch the mountain, for goodness sake. But yet he's going to put himself in a human body and come and dwell with us. That's crazy. But it's true. It's absolutely true. You know, this unholy people. I don't care how clean Mary was. I don't care the fact that she was a virgin. Us, in comparison to this God, we are filthy people. Mary was not holy in that sense, that she could do this thing except God allow it. But he did for the love of us. So it's true. Philippians tells us, Philippians 2 and 5, he's going to have to hang with me today. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, hang on to that, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, this God. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. This God we serve humbled himself, came through this virgin so that he can be with his people, and he humbled himself and submitted himself to the death, even the death of the cross. That is crazy. Because if we think about what all led up to the cross and the suffering he endured on the cross, you would think that's insane. Again, this same God, this holy God, don't touch him. You might get taken out. We know he had the power, right? You know God had the power. He could just, right? All of those involved in the process when he came here, you know, the, from the, the, the Pharisees to the, the Romans that were involved and all those who were opposed him, God could have just spoken and it would have been a wrap. But he allowed himself to be beaten by his own creation. Think about that. The ones I'm coming to save are beating me, spitting on me, calling me everything but a child of God. You know, they even called him the devil. They called him everything. Oh, but he was, he was focused. He had you and I on his mind. He said, I'm going to take this for the team, if you will, I'm a, I'm a, for my people. He had a plan. So he allowed himself to suffer that brutality. He allowed himself to be hung on that cross. A brutal death. A brutal death. And suffer. Because he had a plan for you and I. He absolutely had a plan for you and I. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.19, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. 
and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Do you know how many sins we have? If you, if, you, if you think you're not a sinner, if you think that you have a chance without God doing what he did, right? We celebrated, you know, the life of one of our dear sisters yesterday. We have another celebration. Brother Rennie's here. Our prayers are with you. A celebration of life coming up. We celebrated because God made this way, right? It wasn't a morning like those who have no hope mourn because we have the hope of what God made available through the sacrifice that we made, that he made. And so this wonderful message of reconciliation, God came in the flesh. No, he didn't send his boy. I know we understand that language. But he did what only a holy and all-powerful father can do. See, it's funny how we, we want God to be this supernatural God when we need him to do what no man can do. You know what I mean? We, we, need, we know we go to God when we need healing and, and that when the physicians have said there's a wrap, there's nothing else we can do for you. You know, we, we need him to do all these big things. And so we need him to be this awesome supernatural God and do what only he can do. But then we try to fit him in our box at other times. We want to, you know, we want to make it this nice, neat picture of him. We want to say what, you know, what he can and cannot do. Or we want to we want to limit him somehow. Or we take his scriptures the ones we don't understand, the one I'm talking about, we say, that's crazy, right? We, we, those ones where we, with this whole idea of God coming through a virgin, right, to enter this world, we want to take those uh, kind of ideas and we want to make, we want to get logical. We want to make it fit into our human understanding. And so we come up with things like a trinity, right, so it can fit our understanding. We come up with, you know, as we grapple with that, and some earnestly and some, you know, I don't know, but we come up with these concepts that are contrary to God because God said he's one. We'll look at that a little bit further. I'm one. I came to do this. And so the, the, the whole thought of this, you know, God coming himself, even to those who walk closely with him, even the disciples, the apostles who walked alongside of him, they thought it was great. They had a hard time, too, getting their brain around the fact that uh, at times Jesus would show himself to be or would speak of himself as the father. You know, remember the time when he was speaking to the, to the Pharisees, for example, and they were touting Abraham as their father. You know, we're Abraham is our father. You know, that was their trump card. Who you think I Abraham is our father. And then Jesus pulled the ultimate trump card. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Boom. And they all fell back. There was power in that statement. Jesus was saying something really powerful right there. Right? Before Abraham was, I am. And they understood what that means. He was, he, was, he was bringing to mind that, that I am that met Moses on the mountaintop, right? Before Abraham was, I am. I'm the one who was speaking to Abraham. I'm the one who gave. And, the, and that, that power just blew them away. And so he would do these kind of things. And the disciples were walking alongside of him day after day and watching him do these miraculous miracles that only God can do. You know, hearing him say these kind of things with signs falling, hearing him, you know, um, heal those who were, uh, had all kinds of sicknesses and delivered those who were demon-possessed. They were watching all this, and, and there were times where they couldn't get their brain around it. So finally, I'm glad that Philip did this. Go to John 14. Finally, one day, Philip, I feel like Philip just said, okay, this is enough. Let me just ask him straight out, because we're confused. I'm not exactly sure, is he the son? Is he the father? You know, he keeps saying this. And, and so finally, Philip asked a question that maybe some of us would ask. Finally, in, 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 in verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the father. Just show us the Father and we will be satisfied. 
He's doing like we, you and I do. He's trying to get his head around this thing. But listen to Jesus' reply. Jesus replied, have I been, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet thou don't know who I am? So Philip is going, huh? You know, this is crazy, right? And then Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me, show him to you? Boom. I don't know about for you, but that was the one that did it for me. When I was when I got to that, I'm like, Jesus said, come on now. I am the Father. So I've been trying to tell you, Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen him. How can you ask me, show me the Father? You, he's been walking with you. He's been talking with you. He's been with you all this time. And so yeah, Philip is like, yo, it's crazy. But it's true. It's true. I'm just sharing with you some of the things that, that we struggle with. Nonetheless, they're true. And we, we can't try to, uh, you know, sometimes we get to things that are difficult to understand in the scriptures and we kind of mull over them. We just kind of skip right past that and get to something that we can better get our head around. And like I said, at other times, we twist things to fit our understanding. We want to we put God in our, our human concepts. He's not. He's God Almighty. Right? He's from everlasting to everlasting. What human has ever claimed that? He's, he's omnipresent. He can be all places at all times. Who else can say they can do that? Right? I mean, I'm just talking about something like don't try to put him in our human understanding. Because he's so much bigger than that. So it was God in the flesh who came and sacrificed himself. None other than him for his people. Right? He came to reconcile us unto him. First Peter 1.18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was paid. I'm sorry. It was the precious blood of Christ the sinless lamb, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Yeah. Old Testament, all kinds of animals had to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. You know, lambs and goats, and this was a whole, you know, ugh, yucky thing that had to happen over and over again. But God had said, uh-uh, once and for all, I'm going to come, right? I'm this lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. I'm going to come and I'm going to handle this myself. I'm going to do what only the Father can do. I'm going to do what only God can do himself. So it was God in the form of man who went to that cross for us and purchased our redemption with his very own blood. No more lambs needed. No more goats. No more all these ceremonial things needed anymore. I'm going to go and do this once for all. And this awesome thing that he did gave us all an opportunity for a do-over. You know what I mean? I a do-over. He talked about this sin that we all have, that all humanity has, all Right? We need a do-over. What does all this mean? Why would God do this? Why would he, why would he, you know, go through all that he did? I tell you, let me look at one more story of a man who was trying to get his brain around this before I bring it forward to us. Everybody know Nicodemus? Maybe that's a popular story. I love, love this one. You talk about crazy, but it's true. John 3 says there was a man named Nicodemus a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Isn't that funny? 
based on what Nicodemus has said. Nicodemus makes a statement. He didn't even ask a question yet. This is what we know. Right? We know God is with you, and we know you can do these things except God be with you. And Jesus just cuts to the chase. I know what you want to know. I know what you're asking about. You never had some, you know, because, you know, God knows it all. I know exactly what you want to know. And he cuts right to the chase. I tell you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Here we go again. Born again? What are you talking about, Jesus? And, and Nicodemus actually expresses that. Yeah, he, he comes back out and he goes, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Right? He's trying to get his brain around this. What? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Whoa. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. And then Nicodemus says, how are these things possible? In other words, Jesus is crazy. <laughs> you know, that's what we mean when we go, how, how is this possible? So let's see. Let's see how this born again thing played out. This was, that came right from the mouth of Jesus. Note there, you must be born again. So we're going to pick up on this day that most of us are familiar with, right? We're going to pick up on the day of Pentecost. I'm just kind of skipping and hopping through the scriptures here. I'm going to pick up on the day of Pentecost. No, there, the believers are all waiting in this upper room in Jerusalem. They're waiting for this promise that Jesus told them would come. That after I'm gone, I'm going to send this comforter in my name, in my name. Hang on to that, right? And I'm going to, I want you guys to go wait. I want you to wait in this upper room that I can send this promise. I'm going to send the promise of the Spirit. So they're waiting. Scripture says there was about 120 of them waiting in this upper room. And then finally the day came. I'm going to pick up in verse 2. And it says, I'm sorry, in, in verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there's a, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then he looked. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave the utterance. Wow. There's another crazy. So imagine there were about 120 people in this upper room, as the scripture say. You know, and the Holy Spirit comes that they did not have before. Take note of that. They were believers, else they wouldn't have been standing there waiting. But they did not have his Spirit. They were waiting for it to come, just as Jesus told them it would come. And when it came and it filled them, didn't just roll around them, right? Didn't just come through the house. It filled them. And in response, they began to speak in languages they did not know. Talk about being crazy, but it's true. Crazy, but it's true. So crazy that the people outside, this must have caused a crazy ruckus. Right? These people are speaking in tongues and worshiping God. The scripture said they were glorifying God in their own languages in this particular instance of the spirit coming. And, and they were, you know, they, they were causing such, such a ruckus that a crowd gathered outside. 
that had to be some ruckus. What is going on in there? And they saw what was happening. I don't know, you know, you know, we, we and maybe they were doing like we do and they falling all around and hooping, you know, and care. And they were going, what? And they said, those folks are drunk. See, that's what happens when we try to, again, when spiritual things are happening sometimes, when things are out of the box happening, we try to put them in our human understanding. Eh, they got to be drunk. That, that cannot be. This is too crazy. It, it, that cannot be th this move of God. It just can't be that. They're drunk. We got to put it in some way that we can understand. And so, oh, it was true. So Peter broke it down to him. You know, Peter, who one of the apostles who walked daily with Jesus, Peter the rock, who Jesus said, I'm going to give the keys of the kingdom to you. Peter broke it down to him. He said, oh, no, 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 no. They're not drunk. This is that. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Right? And, then, and he went on. He walked, he walked it from the prophets on, on forward. And, and they're like, oh. Right? Because all those Jews knew those Old Testament scriptures. Right? They knew the, the promise of the Messiah coming. They knew. But because the Jesus came the way he came, once again, it was crazy to them. Right? Because not their Messiah. Surely our Messiah wouldn't come through a woman. Not our holy God. You know, surely our Messiah wouldn't come in a lowly fashion. Not our holy God, who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? Surely he wouldn't come and subject himself to humanity. We want him to come and kick the Pharisees' honey. Or maybe it was the Romans. Maybe both. Who knows, right? We know he wanted to handle the Romans. Right? But they, had, they, they had their ideas about what, how their Messiah was going to come and what they wanted him to do. And when Jesus didn't present himself that way, no, he's not the one. So when Peter broke it down to him from the scriptures, and it brought it to their remember, they were pricked in their hearts, the scripture said. They were like, oh, you ever had that moment when you realize that you had blown off something really important? And then when you finally get it, you had that oh, moment. And when they realized, what did they do? That's what the, that was their question to, to Peter. What, sh what should we do? We blew it now. There was thousands of them out there, right? And Peter's preached this New Testament message of salvation. He preached to them on that day, the first, this, this message. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter said, all this that Jesus, that God made possible coming through this woman, right? This dying on the cross. Jesus said, I came in my father's name, right? So Jesus, when, when Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, right? That's when all the power is. No name, no power, right? That's your father's name. That's how we're baptized into the kingdom. It's a necessity. It's not an option, right? You want to be part of the kingdom? He told you, what he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Not Peter, it's a good idea if you are, right? Not, oh, it'd be a nice thing if you're born again. No, you must be born again. And how do you do that? Peter gave us the answer as that story. You repent. It's really not that hard. You acknowledge your sins. If you think you haven't sinned, then, you know, that's a whole nother battle. But if you know you've sinned, Jesus said, repent. Ask for forgiveness. That thing that Steve talked about in his just a taste. Ask not just your fellow man, but ask me for forgiveness. I'm the one that can grant that. And then go down in that beautiful name of Jesus in the, in the waters of baptism. Right? And let me wash those sins away. Be buried with me. And when you come up, you've been made new. Right? All things. Talk about being born again. Get it? Born again. When you go down that water, that's a burial. But when you come up, you're, all things are new. All things are passed away. The scripture said you've been born again. And so that crowd on that day, they believed the word that was preached. 
And the scripture said that about 3,000 of them were baptized. That was a whoo, that was a baptism day. Right there on the spot. Not make an appointment. Peter, can I get a, can I get baptized on Tuesday? Right, get me. Oh, I'm on my way. No, that, that day, about 3,000 went down in the name of Jesus, and they were filled with the Spirit. That God didn't work that. That was what we call the birth of the church, the New Testament church. That's how, the, and that was the message. If you follow through the book of Acts, that was the message that the apostles preached over and over again. And everywhere you saw somebody uh, receive the Holy Ghost, you saw that tongues followed. That was the evidence. That was how they knew that they, they had received the Spirit. And so this baptism and this um, receiving the Spirit and repentance, this was the, this was the mess. This is the message going forward. Turn away from those sins. You know, this whole idea of baptism. I know some feel like that's an optional thing. I mentioned that, you know, as I'm speaking here. But in Mark 16, 16, it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Right? How do you think that blood gets applied that Jesus shed on Calvary? You know, even in the Old Testament, when the, when the, when the, when the priests slaughtered the animals, right, they didn't just sacrifice the animals on the altar. They had to do something with the blood, right? It had to get sprinkled on them, on the ear and the finger. There was all these things. The blood had to be applied for what they were trying to accomplish. So what good is it if Jesus died on the cross, shed that precious blood, and we're not washed in it? What good is it to us? And so that's why baptism is the essential. It's not an option. You want to be into the kingdom, Nicodemus? You got to be born of the water. Baptism and the spirit. You got to receive his spirit. And God said, I want, it's so important that you know that you got it. No, wait a minute, that you know that you have it, right? That I'm going to let you speak in one of these crazy languages. You don't even know what it is. One time my nephew was visiting with me here and he went home and told his mama, I'm able to speak Spanish. It's funny. Right? <laughs> I didn't know she speaks Spanish. You know what I mean? And then, but, but, but it's these kind of things that this God that we do, that they seem crazy, but they're true. And, that, and if we're going to walk in obedience to him, you should expect it. You should expect our things. Like we should expect the miraculous to happen. We should expect the unusual to happen because we're talking about godly things. We're talking about things not of this world. You should expect it. That it comes, it's par for the course. It comes right along with it. And so as we ponder God, it's okay to not understand. His ways are above our ways. Right. If I got to understand how God did everything that he did before I believed it or before I obeyed it, I'll be in bad shape because I can't. He's God Almighty. You know, I, I think about Job when, when you know, Job was, you know, in his feelings about God and God came down and, you know, said, OK, Job, you know so much. Where were you when I told the water to come just far? And not anymore. Right. You know, God, you know, he pulled a, he pulled a card out of him. Like, you, you, you gonna try to understand me? Really? You know, where were you when I, you know, separated? I'm making up stuff, but you get my point. Right. He, he, he hit Joe with grandiose things that were far too grand for humans to understand. Where were you when these things happened? To which Joe kind of did a sorry I even asked. You know, you ever had those moments? <laughs> sorry I even asked. I get it. Your ways are so much higher than our ways. God is a supernatural God. Isn't that why we, I mean, that's part of your testimony, right? God did something for you that no man could do, right? God, hey, I received the Holy, Holy Ghost and I didn't really believe it. I remember being in this waters of baptism. I'd heard about this tongues thing. I came in this church. I'm thinking these crazy people talking about crazy, but it's true, right? Came here, I said, these people have lost their minds. What is this? Anybody remember that? Have your experience? What is this? 
I never, I never even, uh, you know, talk about can get your brain around it. But when I saw it in his word, what can I do with that if I believe him? How can I not if I say that his word is true? So as far-fetched as these things are, right, if you're standing right here now, you've been in, you, maybe some of you have been here several times. Some of you I know have been here several times. And you can't, you know, this baptism thing is like, what? You know, I, I don't understand it. Well, you probably won't, but you can believe it. Do you believe the word of the Lord? Do you believe God? Do you want to enter the kingdom of heaven? Do we want the promises that God made available to his people? Then you must be born again. And so these waters of baptism, they're always, that baptism there is always full. On the rare occasion that Joe is cleaning it for a very short time, is it empty? But that baptism is always full because we believe what the scriptures say, right? That you must be born again. So I just, I call to you today to give up trying to figure it out. It is crazy, humanly speaking. To us humans, the things that God asks us to do are so far-fetched. But he did the hard part. You ever think about that? He did the hard part. He took the beating. He went to the cross. He overcame death. He rose again, right? He did the hard work so that we could do something very simple, like a bath. I'm, 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 I'm bringing that right, like a bath in Jesus' name. That's the simple part, right? You think about what he did versus what he asked us to do. That is very simple. And then he wants to give you a beautiful gift, right? Who in the world said, ah, ah, I don't want no gifts? Maybe some of y'all cranky like that. And you have to, ah, I don't want no gift. Now, who doesn't want a gift, right? A, tra- a life-transforming gift at that, right? The gift that gives you power to be witnesses unto him. The gift that gives you power to rebuke devils. The gift that gives you the power to speak to him. The, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't want a gift. All you got to do is receive it. Ask him for it. It's his good pleasure to give it to you. Ask him for it. He doesn't make it hard. He doesn't make it hard. Just ask him for it. Just worship. He said he, pra- he, he inhabits the praises of his people. Just ask him. I know we had bad experiences other places. I've heard all kind of horror stories of what people have, have done uh, in the name of Jesus. You know, all kind of weird business. You know, make you recite things. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't see that in the scriptures. Right? You can't make somebody receive the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that he wants you to receive. He did the hard part. And it's for your benefit. It's for your benefit. You're going to be born again. That same spirit that he put in you is the same spirit he's going to quicken on that day, right? When you want to go ahead with heaven, he's going to quicken that spirit that's in you, and we're going to get out of here with Jesus, right? That's why we have that promise of salvation. That's why we have that hope, right? That's why it's not optional. So I call to you today, Caleb, if you would come or whoever's on the music, don't overthink it. We all know it's crazy. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm talking about humanly speaking. It's just crazy. But look at God's track record. When has he ever done anything that was logical to us? If you want logic, go to the doctor. You know what I'm saying? If you want logic, go to, the, go to your lawyer. If you want logic, go to your politician. But if you want the supernatural, go to Jesus. Right? If you want what the, that, that which is outside of this world, you got to go to Jesus. He's the only one. You got to let him do what only he can do. He's the savior of the world. It was his blood. 
It was the way that he made for his people. He did a great thing for you and I. I hope you know that. He did a great thing. It's not some fable. It's not some good story. It's not some good piece of literature. It is the word of God. It is truth. Crazy as it may seem, it is truth. And God has made it so understandable, in a sense, in terms of direction. Here's what you need to do. You might not know how it works, but all you have to do is do it. Walk, go, walk in obedience. What did I call you to do? Can you understand, be baptized in Jesus' name? Then you can do it. Right? Can you ask your Heavenly Father for the Spirit? Then you can do it. Can you repent? Can you say, God, I'm sorry, and I really don't want to keep blowing it, but I need your help? Can you do that? I mean, it's real in that, in that sense of it's real simple. He did the hard part. So don't overthink it. So if you've been in the valley of decision about this salvation thing, I call to you today to give up. Get over it. Let God be God. Right? We got robes here that you can put on. And you can be baptized even today in Jesus' name. If you don't have this Holy Ghost thing figured out, join the club. I didn't either. I got in that baptism about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, skeptical about the Holy Ghost. And, that, and that, what that meant, this whole speaking in tongues. I said, these people are crazy. They're just making that up. That's what I said. they just making that up. Even though I kept seeing it in the scripture over and over again, read the book of Acts. Pay attention. Every single time people received the Holy Ghost, they spoke with new tongues. Every single time. So I got in that baptism, and all I said to God, I said, God, look, I don't know these people. I didn't know y'all well then. Nor was that my background. I, I don't know these people, God. They could be a bunch of quacks. I don't know. But I see it in your word. And what you have for me, I want. I, I, I just, I, just laid, I want it. And as I stood there, came about those waters and I, and I raised my hands and I began to worship God, right, for his goodness. I began to worship him. All of a sudden, I couldn't speak anymore. I'm like, what is happening with my lips? It's the truth. It, you know, I said it to him, but I guess I, I, I'm trying to tell you that you don't, have to, you don't have to have it all figured out before God will respond to it. He knows that we, how us humans work. So I, I, I stood in that baptism. I'm like, what is happening here? And I couldn't, I couldn't get my words straight. I'm just, I'm just spitting and sputtering and I'm going, what in the world? And then it hit me. Oh, this is that, right? Right? This is that. That the prophet spoke of, right? This is that. Right? And I began to speak in this language that I didn't even know. God will make a believer out of it. It's okay. It's okay to have doubts. So if you want to be baptized today in Jesus' name, tap somebody inside you say, today is my day. We'll break the, the, the covers off of that. We'll get you down in Jesus' name, and you go home new. You want to receive his spirit, just ask him. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Let's stand, right? Right in your pew right now. No ceremony necessary. You can begin to worship God. Just ask him for his spirit. He wants to fill you. It, it really is his good pleasure to fill you with his spirit. He wants you to be born again. He wants you to be made new. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You want to come down to this altar and pray? Go right ahead. But there's no need for you to leave here uh, the same way you came this morning. There's no need for you to leave here without his spirit this morning. God has invited you, hallelujah, to be a part of his kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. And we thank you for your word, oh God. Hallelujah. 
Oh, we thank you, Lord, for doing what only you can do, Lord Jesus. Oh, for humbling yourself and enduring the death of that cross, oh God, that you can make a way for your people, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, give us that measure of faith, Lord. Oh, that measure of faith to take you at your word, Lord Jesus. Oh, that our sins may be washed away. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, that you'll give us that spirit. Hallelujah. That allow us to be witnesses unto you, that we can give you the glory that you deserve, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for making it plain, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for not staying afar off, Lord Jesus. Say, Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, oh Lord. Oh, Jesus. Let your power fall in this place today, Lord Jesus. Oh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, oh God. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Say, we praise your name, Jesus. Oh, do a work in our hearts today, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, we release you to be what you are, Lord Jesus. God Almighty. Oh, God, move in your sovereignty, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Work in our hearts and minds, oh God. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Say, Kaya Baba Baba Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Say, Kaya Baba 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 Praise your name. Oh, we believe you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You don't think there's anything left to be said? On that note, you are dismissed, and we will uh, see you all this evening. Those of you who are coming out for Fishers of Men, we're going to talk about evangelism. If evangelism is important to you, you need to be here tonight. Um, this is a church that believes in doing everything that God says. That, that, that includes reaching for others, and so make yourself available for that, for that tonight. God bless you all. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. <laughs>